Hello, welcome to the Talent Parent Programme podcast series. My name is Daniel Thompson and I'm the Talent Operations Coordinator for British Canoeing. It's a pleasure to be able to broadcast tonight's podcast on being a parent to a talent programme athlete. This is specific to the sprint discipline. So we've already run a slalom specific podcast relating to this topic area, which can be found on the podcast section of the Talent Parent Programme webpage on the British Canoeing website. So by listening to this podcast, we hope that you as parents will be able to understand the development journey within the pathway from a parent's perspective, the various different coaching processes and styles and the purpose of this, what the programme is trying to develop in athletes, and also we'll explore and discuss the relationship of the programme with parents and draw on experiences of parents, both from a positive viewpoint and any challenges that might be faced. So uh, joining myself for this podcast remotely today is uh, Nick Fowler and Linda Clark. So uh, thank you both for um, joining us this evening. Um, so with both from Linda, if you, if both Nick and Linda, if you want to introduce yourself, uh, Hi everybody, uh, my name is Nick Fowler, uh, currently the, the lead talent coach um, on the England Talent Pathway. Uh, I have specific responsibility for the organising the boys kayak programme at the moment and I work with two other um, brilliant coaches in Emily Illinois looking after the canoes, uh, both boys and girls, and uh, Imogen Collins looking after the uh, girls kayaks. Thank you. Oh, hi there. Um, I'm Linda Clark. I'm a parent um, of two daughters who have um, gone through and are currently going through um, the programme. Um, we're based down in the south in around Royal Canoe Club. Um, and um, one's 19 and the other one's 17. So uh, thank you both. Thanks for joining us this evening um, for this podcast. Um, we're going to um, start really with a question directed to you, Nick. Um, so can you sort of briefly describe the England Sprint Talent Pathway and what the intended experience of each tier of the pathway is? I'll do my best, Dan. Um, currently, we have three layers to the, the Talent Pathway. We start with the English Development Programme, primarily aimed at provision for under 16 athletes. We've got uh, three different groups within that path, uh, in that level. Sorry, um, We've got the Boys and Girls Canoe Programme. Uh, we've got a specific girls EDP programme and I'll uh, expand on that again in just a second. Um, and then we've got the collective EDP programme. We aim to meet uh, about four times a year with, with those groups, um, either collectively or in their individual groups, just to try and uh, provide a little bit of extra uh, work that goes on within the within the clubs. It's really aimed for those athletes that may be at the, the upper edge of the um, their coaching groups within the clubs and we're trying to add a little bit of extra value to, to knowledge uh, that they might be looking for in their programs. We also run that alongside um, for the first time and it's going really really well actually is the is the introduction of, of coach development as well so we've had really good we've had engagement so far we've had 12 coaches come along to our first two full EDP weekends um, and we're trying to do that dual pronged approach of providing for the athletes, but also for the coaches that are wanting to join in with us 
uh, and update their skill sets, ask questions, observe, get as much information from us as possible. Um, we've got coaches coming along as well. So that's really, really good that that's happening for the first time. Um, next layer there, we've got the English National Talent Squad or ENTS as it's commonly known. Um, and that's that tier between 16 and 18, really looking at athletes that are trying to, in the next year or two, to step into that full GB junior team. So they have provision uh, in some regions, weekly, monthly. Uh, we run various different camps around the country for them. Um, and yeah, we're sort of really trying to equip them with their skills to be successful on the international stage. And then bridging the gap between juniors and under 23s, we've got the uh, English Performance Squad. And that's a squad that's been created in the last three or four years to really as a, as a bit of a, a safety net for those athletes that have been to junior internationals, may not have quite got the results of uh, that would warrant a full UK programme place. But we're now able to offer a little bit of support um, to give them the next extra bit to their, their daily training environments to provide them with the opportunity within the next two years to get onto that full UK programme. So those are those are the three levels to the to the pathway really. That's, um, that's great. Sorry, in terms of, or you explained all the different levels of the pathway. Um, in terms of for the program itself, what is success in the eyes of the program? Um, it's a really really tricky question, and obviously climate of athlete health, both mental well-being and uh, considerations with overtraining, huge considerations recently. So for us as a, as a talent programme, very much keen to be targeting individual um, development. So to create a lot of independent learners within the, within the programme, focusing on key attributes that would make them successful in, in wider aspects of life. Not every single member of the talent pathway is going to go on to be a member of the UK programme. Not every member of the UK programme is going to go on to the Olympics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so what, what we're trying to do at this base level of the pathway is improve people's decision-making skills, information processing skills, developing growth mindsets, those sorts of attributes that whatever path they take in life, they, they've got skill sets that are going to mean that they maximise their, their talents. So it sounds a bit, for me, as a, as a coach, um, it sounds a little bit like a, a cop-out sometimes that we, we don't have what does success look like, but it's much more of a, a nuanced question, that one, I find. It's, it's like an athlete, it's an athlete-centred approach that we have with um, taking into account like the whole person, um, ensuring that it can then you know, be independent and driven um, develop yes. sort of qualities that you mentioned there, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the key word in all of that, Dan, is is the person, not the athlete. Um, you know, we we can we can provide training programs, we can provide race opportunities, um, but if it's just you are only identified by being a athlete, somebody who sits or kneels in a boat and tries to make it go as fast as you possibly can in a straight line, then there's you know life's bigger than that isn't it so yeah we, we take this holistic approach and we, we're trying to make sure that it's the whole person um you know the the what it takes to progress model is linking in with high performing people and within that you've got your three pillars and uh, it really is the bedrock of what we've what we're doing we've just come off the back of a really successful 
uh, week in Portugal where we've had seminars on uh, critical thinking, uh, performing under pressure, um, and we haven't specified any of it to seeing on a start line, somebody saying go and eight or nine boats having a race. Um, so it's it's been been really nice to see the energy that that brings in itself because athletes have then, even in that short space of time, been able to look at that information, digest it, and then straight away be able to put it into practice. So some of the athletes that I work with more closely with here in Worcester were saying on the flight back that um, it's the first time that they've been they've heard some of the material before, but it's the first time that they've actually been given uh, practical um, opportunities to put it into practice. That's that's great. Yeah, we've been able to develop those skills, not just um, within you know those technical skills, but those psychological yeah. skills as well. Um, Absolutely. Over to you. So next question to you, Linda, is um, so you've had two children and one um, one child that's been involved through, has come through the pathway, and one child that's currently in the pathway. And um, so can you briefly describe your experiences um, of your children within the pathway? Yes, I suppose um, the eldest started when she was 15 and at the time what was called the Regional Talent, I think, Academy, I think it was called. Um, the programmes have changed and mixed around through to various reasons. Um, so I think it, what it has allowed is um, our club, we don't necessarily have training camps abroad. Um, so I think that's all the way from the RTA has allowed them to actually um, meet up with other um, juniors from other clubs and um, just mix in within that group, not necessarily for racing, but for socialising. Um, and the eldest now having moved away onto university is able to link in with um, another group where she can train. Um, with, who she got to know through this development programme. So I think that's been a real advantage. Um, I think also it allows them to understand that actually um, canoeing, yes, it does happen at your club, but it also is internationally. So therefore, once again, the eldest, she spent a couple of weeks work, um, training in a different country. Um, and so she's doing a language. So that allowed her to help with her languages and A-levels. At the same time, she was um, caught up with a girl that she raced with internationally. Um, and so that was just great to understand that the sport isn't just purely um, a racing thing. It's something that actually you can then take with you for life and you can turn up in any country, in any town and find your nearest club and then join in. So I think it's a kind of a, as a skill for life. Um, and I think it's something that allows them to get a little bit more confident um, and understanding where they can place themselves, I think, really. So I think overall, the um, experience for both of them has been very positive. Um, and once again, just building through the layers, introducing them to international racing um, and to be independent. Um, so you can have your club coach who's excellent um, and helps you um, approach a race um, and then go through a race. But actually, sometimes it's a reflection on the race. And um, sometimes when you're away from your parents and your club coach, you've got support of other coaches. But sometimes you might not even know that coach very well. So you've got to be quite independent. So having those layers of skills um, is quite important for life um, as well as actually racing. 
That, that, that's good. You obviously talked about the different qualities there, um, independence being one of them. Um, do you feel like um, they've developed these qualities over time in being involved within the talent programme and the pathway? Um, yes, I think they do. I think I, I think a child develops anyway, um, these independent skills. Um, I come from a rowing background and everything is very much meet at this point at one o'clock and we all warm up together and we all get the boat on the water together and we all do this together. I think kayaking has a different strength in that um, from an early age, the kids you know, know what they need to do with their boat, pack their own kit bags, get them into the car, get them onto the, onto the car, get them off the car, get themselves the right number plate, get onto the water in enough time to warm up, get up to the start line. So as a parent, you're really just a driver taking them to these places and allowing them to then take on responsibilities um, from things that they've learned from club and from squad um, to out, go out there and race what they only what they want to do. It's, it's great to hear about you talking about the athlete taking ownership. Sounds like they're taking ownership of some things like key key elements there. And as you said, as a, as a parent, um, you're just there and um, you've been there to support your child, but um, I become a be the driver or something. But um, but allowing them to take that ownership to focus themselves solely on their canoeing um, is a good thing. Um, is that something that um, you see more in the pathway, Nick, as the athletes progress up? Uh, certainly, that level of independence, a hundred percent. You you would want your, uh, you know, your ideally your athletes on uh, that under eighteen tier in and the and into the English performance squad, being solely responsible. You you know, effectively, you should um, be able to just rock up, get your boat ready, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and and perform. But we all know that the individuals are, are different within that. We've certainly had athletes that in the in the under twenty three squad recently who are were just as nervous as now as they were um, when they were under sixteen. But I think critically, they understand that that's okay to be nervous, and nerves just share that you you care about what you're about to do, and it's your body's way of preparing yourself part of it, preparing yourself to perform. Um, I think it, you know I. Linda said you they sort of sometimes feel like you're nothing more than a driver and I, I think that's where I'm trying to add a little bit extra into what we're we're doing in the pathway at the moment and that's trying to you know in, engage more parents engage more um, activity within that support network around the athlete and I think there's going to be more and more things coming through that that will bear fruit on that um, and, and it's starting you know just with sharing some of the feedback from Portugal last week from some of the camps that we've had over the winter series already um, you know layering on much more and more um, feedback of how the athletes have performed on those camps how they've engaged with what we've been trying to do um, and bring the bring the parents into that space as well whereas before I think Traditionally, that that maybe has been a little bit separate, and parents have had to rely on themselves to ask the questions: How did you do? How did you get on? And you know, I, I was a junior athlete myself, and coming back from Nottingham after regattas, it would be right. Thanks, mum and dad. Pack the van, pack the car. I'm going to get some sleep now, and I'd speak to them on Monday morning. And we're trying to change that at the moment. Yeah, I think what you're referring to there is is quite um, sort of. Common, common phrase um, within sport is, you know, talking about the athlete team, so talking about, you know, the programme, the coach, 
the club coach, um, the athlete itself, and also the parent being part of, of that team as well. Um, and um, to you, Linda, so um, what do you think a successful athlete team looks like um, from a perspective of a parent? Um, I suppose it's successful you're talking what does what as an outside of the team obviously being part of the team I've been told that so um I th I think I think the communication I think that's probably the most key as Nick's just touched on there um finding out a little what's going on at training captain was interesting um and and it was nice to hear back what um do and various bits and pieces um I have to admit I tend to take a bit more of a sit back approach um, I've learned over the years that um my my children everybody's very different um and I'm not saying it's right or wrong but um they much prefer me to kind of keep out to always be there and always um be supportive but not necessarily ask them too many questions um and um and just let them process it themselves so I have found probably the the key thing is just to let the process happen and to sit back and be in the background. So I suppose um, what makes a good squad, which is your question, is just letting it happen and watching it happen from the outside and finding that actually um, everybody seems to be able to communicate with the coaches um, and um, the coaches can communicate with parents if need be um, and that the juniors are communicating within each other and they seem to be enjoying it. That's probably key. Um, that enjoyment factor and they I mean as Nick said you know nerves do come on um, and um, it's learning how to deal with it but that's a normal process um, and so being able to sit back and letting them work it through with the coaches um, is what I think is actually a, a, a good successful squad structure. Yeah, but it sounds like there you've got um, a good structure within and um, with your children and in, in knowing um, what what works best for them. Um, so how you can react. So if it what works best for them is sort of taking a bit more of a backseat in letting them get on and, and engaging more with the coach, um, then that is the, the best thing. Is that correct? Let me just yeah, but remember, I've got a um, a seventeen and a nineteen year old. So you know, we 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 haven't got a fourteen, thirteen, fourteen year old, and um, probably that I can't remember because it seems so long ago. And probably we were more involved at that stage than we are now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd imagine um, as as athletes, you know, progress up the pathway. Um, what the what um the ownership that um an athlete would have or what the parent would be involved in at a younger age than a 13, 14 year old versus a 17, 19 year old is, is gonna be slightly different, um, isn't it, Nick? Yeah, definitely. Um look, I, Linda said every everybody's different and every family is different. Um I think from my my point of view, uh where where we see successful teams operating around athletes it's when parents are you know patient but supportive informed but know when to ask when to um tell when to you know um just they've they've worked it out now i i'm really interested from linda's point of view have you had any ex experiences with either um with either of the girls as to where it went 
<laughs> quite wrong without wishing to divulge too much information, Linda. Uh, but it went wrong quite catastrophically. You read my mind. Yeah, yeah. My next question. <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry, Dan. That's all right. Yeah. Go on, Dan. You go on. Yeah, that was a similar question, really, to Nick. Really, um, have you found any challenges, and um, how have you um, tried to overcome them? Um, um, I think for me, I'd, I mean, there's there's so many without um, without being specific. Um, you know that you you have your classic um, parents who have to control everything, and I, I think that's usually born out of nerves rather than you know it's a sense of control. Uh, they don't have any once the athlete is out on the water, pushed away from the landing stage. Um, it's up. To, it really is up to them and. You know, there's lots of parents who who struggle with that that bit, and you know, they sort of the emotions take over, and it, sort of lots of encouragement and shouting. Where, you know, having been out in the middle of the the lake, you can't really discern anybody's voice. Um, so I, I, you know, there, there's that to, you know, right, you're on your own. Um, I've driven you up here. I'm I'm done. I'm I'm sort of having my weekend. There, there's there's a whole range of experiences that, that um, parents have I've seen. Uh, so I think, yeah, it just goes back to being patient, supportive and, and informed really about when to ask, when to not, uh, what sort of training they're doing, what races they're targeting. I think just being part of that, that team that helps everybody. The parents see the athletes more than anybody else. Club coaches see them more than national coaches. And it just means that if everybody can be on the same page, we're going to have a, a much better chance of, of having a, a, a more informed, better educated, better supported athlete on the water who feels safe and ready to be there. And so, same question to you, Billy Linda. Um, so have you found any challenges um, throughout the journey? Oh, yeah. with I think... I think practically most days being a parent is a challenge. Um, so, you know, I, I would say it's a, it's a learning process for not just the junior, but for the parent as well. Um, the, the great thing is that um, the, the performance squad or whatever you'd like to call it, the ENTS group, um, they do have expertise in certain areas um, and their approach can be different to you as a parent or perhaps you as a club. So I think pulling from all three sides is a very useful kind of mesh to try and catch that junior. Um, so um, we had um, Imogen came over to the club and gave a great talk about nutrition. So things like that we as a club can pull. Um, and it's one of those things, um, the more you find out you know, the more you realise you don't know. So just keeping your eyes and ears open um, allows you to kind of suck up as much information and make it kind of a learning process and learning how you deal with things as a parent and how the junior then deals with things. Um, and then try and work that as a group, I think, is probably um, the difficulties we've had. Um, but, you know, I think we've been working our way through that quite nicely with both girls. And, um, yeah, I think we're, get, we're getting the benefits, which is great. Great. Yeah, that's um, sort of in the intent of the Talent Parent Programme, really, to, you know, try to better educate um, the parents around particular topic areas and, and how they can, because as, as Nick mentioned, um, a while ago that um, you know parents see the athletes the most um, more than anybody so um, so to be able to understand um, what the athlete maybe um, is 
had um, had a talk on in nutrition or some psychological strategies or something like that it's um, always in uh, nice to know um, from a parent's side I'd imagine absolutely and I think as a parent uh, and I think any parent can relate to this you know you say to your child something like you know um, really should be having all that chocolate um, but then a nutritionist sits there and says, really, should you be having all that chocolate? Um, and it's a completely different take on the child. So I think that um, a different approach and sometimes wearing the white coat is quite useful. Um, and then the child can actually see different perspectives. Um, and it's not just their parent again nagging them. Um, so I think that the joint approach is very, very, very positive. Great. And um, I'm just going to divert the conversation slightly to a, a different sort of question um, to, to you, Nick. Um, so what is the programme qualification and, and what does that actually mean? Um, right, so we have the, the performance matrix. Um, I think each squad has a, has a performance matrix and we're, we're looking at athletes accruing points through the, through the year. Um, and it's quite a simple concept, the more points you score, the better your performances are, um, but crucially, it, it, the points mean that we you're you're part of the the discussion towards the end of the year. Um, we had an example last year where there's three or four athletes finished with the same number of points, and you know, unfortunately, because of changes to squad structures, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, over the last couple of years, um, we were we were set a finite number, and we had to make a, a couple of awkward decisions. Excuse me. Um, and that uh, it it is quite a uh, a tough a tough thing to to go through. And you know, speaking to parents that were on the wrong side of those decisions, it it does have a big impact on you know on athletes and and juniors in the in that under seventeen age group. Um, and it, it is a big blow. Um, I think from a parent's perspective, um, uh, I suppose that now the, the qualification policy for um, 2020 uh, to 2021 squads is, is now uh, um, um, on the um, England Sprint Talent Programme webpage. So it's um, probably a good um, opportunity um, to really signpost that to parents in, in this podcast and sort of understand um, what their, what their child might need to, the goals that they might need to set, um, you know, to still um, aspire and be involved within the programme. Yeah, I, ju I just reiterate the point that it's no guarantee um, to to access onto the programme where there is a finite number of, of places available. And, you know, the, the matrix is, is one indicator, one resource that we use. It's it's an important resource. Um, there's there's other uses for the matrix. There's a great example of Southampton Canoe Club using the matrix as a as a as a sort of self profiling tool. The athletes were looking at the different layers to the to the matrix. Where do they currently sit? What do they need to do to get to the next level? And therefore, getting higher up the matrix and accruing more points and being more and more successful. So, there's different ways you can use the matrix. We, from program point of view, use it as the the selection tool. Um, but it's an, it, as an indicator for selection rather than the, the be all and end all of selection. Yeah, I, as you mentioned there, it's, it's only the, really the primary first filter that the programme actually use um, when it comes to selecting the squads and the, the other filters and, and things considering considerations um, in place for that. Yeah. 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 
Um, I'm going to sort of bring this podcast to a close. Um, we're going to have one final question um, directed uh, to both of you. Um, so what is um, the one bit of advice that you can give to support the athlete team and help parents to support their child? I'll start off with you first, Nick, and then uh, over to you, um, Linda, as well. Thanks, Dan. Um, I, th I think for me, it's, it's about patience. We, you know, we, collectively as a parent myself, we're, we're the grown-ups, you know, in inverted commas, um, uh, and therefore we should be helping to create an environment around the athletes where it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay to not be successful, it's okay to um, to not ach achieve something that you've set out to achieve. But crucially, how do we capture the learnings of why we possibly didn't achieve those goals? And then have the patience to see a new plan put in place to, to to make the steps. So everything's a learning opportunity as opposed to a hit or miss. Um, I think that's what what I'm trying to bring to this role now is is making sure that there are there are clear plans, clear progress, clear um, engagement within the within the program. But it's okay to to try something, it not work, we'll, we'll dust ourselves off and, and come again. So yeah, but that requires a huge amount of patience and expectation in this you know, world that we live in at the moment where everything's got to be instantaneous and um, you know, it, everything is, is on the money. So uh, we try to avoid, avoid those things. Yeah, the the athletes are on that on that journey, as you said, and, and obviously when they're being part of that journey, um, their patience is key. It's key there. Um, yeah. And so same question to you, Linda. So, what one bit of advice um that you can give to help parents to support their child? I think to just ensure the child is constantly enjoying the sport. Um, I think there are times when perhaps it's tougher, um, especially at this time of year when it's winter, cold, miserable, and perhaps you can't get onto the water. Um, <clears throat> and um, you're not quite sure if you're doing the right training, you're not quite sure about all those sorts of things. So a very kind of um, unsure athlete going on. But I think if you just relax, um, take the broad perspective, and make sure they continue to enjoy the sport and continue to enjoy the training. Um, and just take the lead from the junior. Um, I think that's probably my key take home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really, really good point there. And um, enjoyment—that's uh, that's what the the, um, the children, you know, do the sport for. At the end of the day, it's because they, they enjoy the sport, and um, um, we want to make sure that um, you know, your child and the athlete is is still got that smile on the face. Um, whether after they finish um, uh, a training session or you know cross the finishing line, um, so yeah, enjoyment is a is a key key thing there. And I think also, and I think also, um, I would hope that both my kids continue canoeing um, way past this junior process, way past any big racing or ambition. Um, Absolutely. They keep the sport in their life and I know that's something that um, Nick and Imogen and Emily are working very hard to try and maintain um, and Imogen has already spoken to me about this sort of um, idea of just keeping um, the juniors engaged in the sport whether yeah. they are you know winning internationals or whether <clears throat> they're just enjoying their stuff through their club so um, I think as a parent just making sure <clears throat> excuse me um, making sure they're enjoying themselves is is just key 
Yeah, I'd, I'd echo that sim, sim, um, as well. <laughs> I think it's, it's really important. We want lifelong participants in the sport. Um, you know, it, I, I, it, it is a wonderful sport. It's really, really tough. Um, but uh, as you alluded to, we've got friends across the world because of it. Um, and, and that's something to be celebrated. And that's because we, you know, we, we, we all love the, what we do. So, yeah, I think it's massive, massive, massively important that athletes enjoy themselves. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that's a yeah, great, great point there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Nick, Linda, um, I'm going to draw this um, podcast to a close now. Um, so thank you both for being involved in this podcast this evening. So thanks a lot to both of you there. Welcome. Thank you. No problem at all, Dan. Thank you very much.